Hi, this is Ron Darling. Uh, this is Skip Lockwood. Hi, I'm Ron Swoboda of the 69 New York Mets, and you're listening to Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings. Hope everybody had a great week out there. Well, the Mets have lost their first series of the of this campaign, this 2022 season. They lost the Seattle Mariners two games to one. They lost Friday night. Bounced back Saturday with a nice win, but lost on Sunday, falling short with a late inning rally. So, first loss of a series during the year. But uh, still maintain a nice lead in first place. They are six games up. And uh, St. Louis comes into town. The Mets split the doubleheader yesterday after being rained out on Monday, as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, And get ready to uh, play the Cardinals tonight and tomorrow afternoon and then fly out to Colorado to take on the Rockies. Well, more about that series with my very special guest uh, after some news and notes here. So let's get to the news on the, the other news on the Mets. Jacob DeGrom had a follow-up imaging MRI done on his shoulder, and it revealed continual healing in the scapula. The uh, DeGrom will continue to build distance and velocity in his throwing program. He has been throwing on flat ground. He's up to about uh, 75 feet, uh, but uh, or 60 feet, 60 to 75 feet at light intensity. The idea, of course, is to stretch that out, build up his arm strength before he gets to uh, go on the mound. And then, of course, he will continue to do that and get to his uh, uh, rehab assignment, which could be sometime in June. Um, don't expect to see him much before July. Maybe late June, but I, I wouldn't count on it. I would think uh, that early July, early to mid-July would be a target date. The Mets have set no target date. And that's uh, a good thing. I know it sounds crazy to say that, but right now it's a good thing. You do not want to rush him back. It's that simple. Do not want to rush him back. Let him take time. Let him get healed. They are keeping their head above water, though they have fallen into a routine where they win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. I'll take that for now. At least, again, they are keeping their head above water. Nobody in the division has gotten hot. Every other team is below 500. So they're still in pretty good shape in that way. So uh, 
though we we have you know more injuries the uh james mccann the catcher or starting catcher has a hammock fracture in his left hand he underwent surgery he will miss around six weeks patrick mazika has been called up and in his first game in the majors this year he uh he had a homer to win the game so uh not a walk off he hit it the eighth but still hit a homer that won the game and uh he does a fine job struggled a little bit with chris bassett getting the signs and everything but they'll work it out they've got time and um Masika will do a nice job i'm sure he's known by everybody and uh so it should be okay Tyler McGill, on the other hand, was placed on the 15-day injured league list, retroactive to May 12th due to right biceps inflammation. His uh, fellow righty Colin Holderman, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the Down on the Farm segment, he has been selected to take his place on the active roster to take McGill's place uh, and to make room for Holderman on a 40-man roster, righty Trevor May has been transferred to the 60-day injured list. So um, those moves made to shore up the bullpen. And uh, we had Trevor Williams come out of the bullpen yesterday and pitch a uh, uh, nice four innings. And Jake Reed came out of the bullpen uh, to uh, pitch three innings of uh, shutout ball, and the Mets went on to win that first game against the Cardinals. So uh, the bullpen game pitched pretty well. Uh, Taiwan Walker struggled a little bit in the nightcap, and uh, so that's what happens sometimes. So uh, that is the Mets. Oh, Brandon Nimmo also fouled the ball off his knee. And he will be day-to-day. A test was done yesterday or last evening, and everything seems to be okay. It looks like a bad bruise, so he'll be day-to-day. Uh, Nimmo's a pretty tough character. Would be, you know, I think we'll see him sooner rather than later. So um, injuries starting to creep up there, but not too bad as of yet. Uh We've got some news on some pitchers in the minors that could possibly step in for McGill. Uh, Williams, as I said, pitched well. They will probably try to stretch him more the next time. He went four yesterday. If he gets another start, and I think he probably deserves a shot, they'll probably, you know, depending upon what happens, they'll probably let him go four or five and uh, try to stretch him out a little bit from just doing relief to a starting uh, spot until McGill can come back. And don't forget, we still have David Peterson at AAA uh, and more on him, as I said, a little bit later in the podcast. He's pitching very well down there. So, uh, you know, that's good news for the Mets as well. So... You know, what you don't want to have happen has happened. There's a little spate of injuries, but uh, so far the Mets have remained relatively healthy and have been able to weather the storm. As I said, um, 
they've been playing, you know, they they've gotten into that one win one lose one kind of a rut. And look, I will take that. It's better than a losing streak. So you'll take the win one lose one uh, you know, not for long run, but for the time being until they can right the ship and uh get thing going the the offense has been very spotty it's either very good or non non-existent and that's something they have to work on and they're not getting key hits like they were early in the year they had chances they really could have swept seattle over the weekend i mean they had a lot of chances uh and they could have took the the bullheader yesterday against st louis they had their chances in the second game did not take advantage of it, and uh, uh, one point they tied up the game, and actually I believe they had the lead, and Taiwan Walker gave it right back to them. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a slump right now, if you want to call it that, uh, but this team is too good, and the depth is hanging in there. And they've been showing that. So let's hope that uh, we avoid other injuries, serious injuries at, at least, and uh, can right the ship and, and go on a nice long winning streak. Uh, this will be a tough road trip, though. They are going to Colorado. Anytime you go out west, it is, uh, you know, it's difficult. It's not easy. It's a, a whole different atmosphere. It's to travel. Colorado's tough because of the um, the Mile High City. And the weather could be an issue out there, so we'll have to see. And so they are going to Colorado, and then they're going to San Francisco to play the Giants. Um, you know, a lot of traveling in the next few weeks, which is not great either. So, But we'll see how it affects the Metsies. All right. I'll be back in a minute with a great guest for you. We're going to break down the upcoming Colorado uh, series between the Mets and the Rockies as the Mets travel out to the Mile High City. All that to come in just a minute right after this. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com. Wouldn't it be great if you could get a Ph.D. in life through baseball? Welcome to Baseball Ph.D., a tour company for your brain. 30 major league teams, 100 places to see. Let's touch them all as we make the road trip of a lifetime. Follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Musings. On Twitter at Mets Musings GM. The Instagram is Mets Musings and on YouTube at Mets Musings Mac. Wish to be a part of the show? Give us a call at 516 619 6341. Judy 
joining me this week is Noah Yingling. He's no stranger to the Mets Music's airwaves. He was with us last year. He is the editor or one of the editors of The Rocks Pile, and he that is a Colorado Rockies uh, blog, and a uh, he also does a podcast for them, and he'll tell us all about that as well. Noah, welcome back to Mets Musings. Thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure to have you, Noah. And uh, Colorado Rockies, we uh, don't see a lot of them, unfortunately. Uh, we only get to see them maybe once a year. And the Mets are traveling out to the uh, 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 mountain city, if you will, the Rocky Mountain High for the Mets. And uh, I understand we were talking before the weather may be question mark. Yeah, because of course there was a few years ago the, the Mets were out there for opening day, and I, if I remember correctly, the entire series was snowed out. But I mean that, okay, that's end of March, early April. It's on Friday. It's gonna be what May twentieth, and there is a chance of snow in Denver. Oh my gosh! <laughs> the high on Friday is supposed to be in like in the low forties, and then the, the low is supposed to be in like the high twenties, low thirties. And then, yeah, it's supposed to be precipitation all day. So there is a there's literally a chance of snow on Friday during the Mets game. Of course, it's against the Mets. And then, yeah, it just it just has to be. And then on Thursday, the day before, the the Rockies at least have an off day, and it's supposed to be ninety degrees. And like, jeez, that, oh, that is classic Colorado weather. <laughs> literally going from freezing. It's going from 90 to freezing oh, in a 24-hour wow. period. It's like uh, absolutely mind-boggling. <laughs> did they ever think of putting a dome on that stadium or, or anything like that? They they thought about it, but they, of course, when the Rockies were, they they first became a team in the early 90s, 93, they all the MLB stadiums were going away from the cookie cutter NFL stadiums where they were sharing them with them. So they shared mile high stadium with the Broncos, the first two, but then they, they tried getting a dome, but they were like, we, we just need a new stadium. That's more fit for baseball. So they got a downtown location and it's a great location for it, but yeah, it would be, be really nice if they had a dome, but I, it's usually it's usually only like once a year that there's snow there. It just happens to be when the Mets are there. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it always seems. Remember a, a few going back a few years now. Um, I remember when like the whole uh, team was out there shoveling the snow so they could get in the double header. It snowed on a Friday. Uh, I, uh, I don't know what day of the week it was, but. Uh, it, it snowed on the night before, and then the next day, the, the team was out there helping the guys shuffle the snow um, just so they could get that double header in. And it, it's crazy, but I think, like you said before, I think that was early part of the season, March or April, yeah. when, they, uh, when that occurred instead of this, not that it's late in the season, but yeah. this late. We're, we're a quarter of the way through the season yeah, almost it, now. It's, it's, like, it's late, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, it's gonna snow on May twentieth, and I mean you're 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 almost a week away from June. It's like, come on! 
<laughs> it's nuts. It's just nuts. But that's the way, you know. I, you know, we were talking before, and I said I don't know how people can live like that, but I guess they get used to it, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like even going out there last year, because if you've never been out to Colorado before, for that, for us, including me, that live in relative sea level, I live at I live in Ohio, so I'm in like 600 feet, and going out there, like for me, I can do plenty of stairs here. I went up the stairs of the press box there. It was one flight. And I'm like, I'm out of breath. And everybody's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I live at sea level. I don't live at altitude. There's no, yeah. don't blame me. <laughs> yeah. They're just looking at me like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I can do 10 flights of stairs at home. I can't do them here. Sorry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's, it's a tough thing. And it, it always amazes me with the ball players that they're, they're able to adjust and they really have to adjust quickly, you know, because like the Mets are playing an afternoon game Thursday and then flying out to play Friday evening in Colorado. And, you know, that's a, you know, I always expect them to lose the first game in the series when they do something like that, because it's just, you know, sometimes they surprise you though. Sometimes they play better. you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's especially with Coors Field. I mean, especially here in the last like week and a half, the the Rockies have actually hit very well, but they've lost eight out of their last 10 entering Tuesday. That is because the pitching staff, it's like just finding the consistency at Coors field of uh, with the altitude, with the pitching, mm -hmm. with breaking balls, not being the same. It's there's, there's so many different things changing where you see it, where, first game of the series the Mets might have won 10 in a row and then they come in or any team could win 10 in a row they come to Colorado and they're like what happened it's like the balloon. <laughs> yeah. you let all the air out of the balloon yeah yeah well you're talking about the uh, pitching staff and uh, it's going to be down a guy uh, I read that Antonio Senzatella Yep. He's got a back injury. Uh, what's the word on him? And, when, you know, uh, will he be back for the series or will he definitely miss this? Is he going on the IL? What's the deal? In fact, about 15 minutes before we came on here, he was placed on the injured list. Um, so the Rockies, though, they they haven't announced what the, um, the starting plan will be because – he was slated to start Sunday's game against the Mets. But as I mentioned, the Rockies have an off day on Thursday. So their starting pitcher today, Tuesday, Chad Cool, he could start on Sunday and be on regular rest. So that could be something they could do. Um, I, personally, I would think that's probably what they would go with. Um, they could go with a bullpen game, but minor league, they're, and this is the problem with the Rockies in general. They don't have a ton of minor league depth. Mm -hmm. And earlier in the year, they had to call up their ace from AAA. His name's Ryan Feltner. And he made his debut last year. And he made two starts. And he had an ERA over 10. He came up for one start this year. He started in Philadelphia. And he was bombed in that outing as well. So that's... The thing with the Rockies is they have a overall on paper, their starting pitching staff is good, but if they have an injury, it's like, 
okay, where do we go? So they, yeah. they do have that off day built in. So they couldn't at least to start out, have Chad cool pitch on Sunday and be on regular rest. Now you mentioned uh, that they were hitting like crazy. They're, they're first in the league in hitting, uh, according to what I'm reading here and but their earned run averages they're 28th and um that's what kills you I guess that pitching staff is not uh, living up to expectations but what were the expectations going into the season I mean they did break up the team what was it two years ago now or so uh yeah. when, when they really they trade Arenado and and uh um so and uh, story left and uh, so, what was the expectations going into this season? The expectations really were that the, the the past few years the offense had not been good. In fact, it if you adjusted it for the park, which the, you really have to do with the Rockies since they play half their home games at Coors Field. If you did park adjustment stats, they had one of the bottom five offenses in the entire sport. And mind you, that's before they lost Trevor story. Cause he was with them last year. He, he had a down year. He was injured. He, he was injured, played through the injury. He, he, it was a shoulder injury. So um, he, he wasn't quite as good at the plate, but really everybody else struggled. So in fact, their best hitter, was CJ Crone, who is still on the team, their first baseman. Mm-hmm. And they, they literally signed him on a minor league deal to an invite with an invite to spring training. He had 28 homers and 92 RBI, but that was the first season in Rockies history that they didn't have somebody with hundred RBI and 30 homers. Hmm. And they've been around for 30 years now. So yeah. um, they, they knew that they had to address the offense and they knew their they thought their pitching staff was good because and again pitching at Coors Field is a little bit different elsewhere in that they they wanted pitchers that have ground ball rates that are higher which they've seen success with their starting pitchers with that and the low fastball spin rate which if it the lower because in altitude that ball doesn't spin as well. That's why breaking balls don't work as well there. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for pitchers with fast, low fastball spin rates. Cause in fact, all uh, it was four of their five starting pitchers were in the top 30 in all of baseball of ground ball rate and low fastball spin rate. Mm. Those four starting pitchers all had an ERA that was at least one run lower in Colorado than on the road. So they, they really figured out last year how to pitch at Coors Field because everybody was like, why is it? Why are they pitching better at Coors Field? Right. And then if you dove into the numbers, the, all four of them, all, all four of their main starters lined up with that. And the one wow. starter that didn't, he didn't pitch as well at Coors Field and he pitched better on the road. And Ironically enough, one of the things that the Rockies have been trying to do too is get Colorado natives, because if you've grown up with altitude all your life, you're more likely to pitch better at altitude. Just 
thinking out loud and just like, oh, okay, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, right, right. Naturally, the one starting pitcher that didn't pitch as well at Coors Field, he's a Colorado native. So <laughs> I'm like, I just, of course, there has, it's baseball. It's, there's got to be some kind of outlier there. So, so yeah, he was the one that did not pitch as well at Coors Field. But the other four starting pitchers did. They lost one of them, John Gray, to free agency. He mm-hmm. signed with Texas. Um, but then they signed Chad Cool, who I mentioned a moment ago. He'll be most likely starting on Sunday. Um, he he was with the Pirates before, and their the Rockies' former manager Clint Hurdle was the manager for Chad Cool in Pittsburgh. Clint Hurdle just rejoined the Rockies in their front office, so he was part of the reason why he came to Colorado, and he was one of those pitchers that fit that mold of the high ground ball rate, low fastball spin rate. And he's actually been their best starter so far. He was going, in theory, he's their fifth starter, but he's been their best starter so far. But the problem for the Rockies has been this year, they have the good ground ball rate. They have the low fastball spin rate with their pitchers, but they're just, they're getting too much contact. Like Herman Marquez, he has, he, he he was their only all-star last year. And he has an ERA of 616 and seven starts this year. He still has all of th- what was working for him last year, but now he's giving up 11 hits per nine innings, which that's, wow. that's never good. Yeah. So now they're trying to get the contact rate lower. So that's, and that's one of the things with the Rockies of they, they really have to be a team that's more forward thinking than everyone else because they're playing, they have to play baseball different than everyone one out because of the altitude but their their research and analytics department is nowhere near where it should be in fact they they hired a new person to head their analytics department last september with like two weeks left in the season they fired him before spring training even started because essentially creative differences he he used to be um, an analyst for the Nationals when they won the World Series. So oh. people were like, okay, wow, they're they're actually going forward with this. And then they fired him a few months later. It's like, oh boy, it's back <laughs> to the same old, same old. So that, and again, with baseball in general, I mean, you could win one day, even though you could be an awful team, but it's just creating the consistency and at least so far this year, they've not found the consistency. Yeah. And uh, they may, did make a big free agent acquisition though, this off season signing Chris Bryant. And I understand uh, he's hurt as well. Now is he still on the IL or is he coming off for what is the deal with Mr. Bryant right now? He is on the injured list. Um, he is on a rehab assignment though. So if, all goes well he will be returning on friday for the Mets series of course (laughs) yeah of course so um the thing with him has been the rocky a lot of people are surprised that the Rockies signed him but i i wasn't as i i was still surprised but i wasn't as surprised as many people as because when he was drafted by the cubs this was back in 2013 um he was the second overall pick the rockies had the third overall pick that year they wanted chris bryant their scouting director at the time was bill schmidt bill schmidt is now their gm 
So he said in the press conference after they signed him, he said, I've been chasing him for over 10 years now because he, he wanted to draft him in 2010 when he was a high schooler as well. Mm -hmm. And then he decided he was drafted, but then he decided to go to college. So he said, yeah, I've been trying to sign him for over a decade now. And they've kept a good relationship. Chris Bryant said of all the cities I've ever visited in the major leagues, Denver is my favorite. And when he was an all-star last year, he, since the all-star game was at Coors field, he said, yeah, I walked in the home clubhouse since he was on the national league side. And he said, I would never seen a better clubhouse in my life. So immediately I was like, if, if the Rockies give me any kind of good offer, I'm going to sign there. Hmm. And I mean, it's not like they gave him a one-year deal for $100,000. They gave him $182 million for seven years. So it was, it was the biggest contract that he was offered. But yeah. it also helped that he had the connections and he liked Denver oh. as well. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll take a, a – I mean, he didn't take any less money, but uh, – you know, sometimes you will if you like the city and you know the organization, like you said. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it just seemed a little surprising to me because I didn't think they were in a position to be ready to accept the, uh, to make that kind of signing for them with their team, you know, being in a, not a state of flux, but in a rebuilding program. And, uh, but like you said, he liked it there. They had a chance and they grabbed him. Uh, you know, so, you know, good for good for them. It, it's good for the fans, too, because it does show that the, they're at least trying to do something and yeah. and build up the, the team and, uh, you know, uh, get them going. Now, another guy that was a thorn in the side of the Mets and, and still out there is uh, Charlie Blackman and. Um, he seems to be having a rough year this year though. Yeah. He, I mean, part of it is his age. I mean, he'll in on July 1st, he'll be turning 36. So he's, he's not, he's not in the prime of his career anymore, but he, even last year, last year, he, he walked a lot. So his on base percentage was high, but the average was down. The power was down mm -hmm. and defensively, especially defensively he he's he's never been he's never been one of the world's best defenders but he was at least in the prime of his career he was around average and now uh, he, he was before in center field they moved him to right field before the 2019 season and even then th there's even been times this year where you see him and now granted Coors Field it's got a huge outfield but it's like just reading some of the plays where you're like, okay, he's, he really on a, ideally he would be a full-time DH. Part of it is pride for him. And part of it is mm -hmm. the Rockies are with, with their veterans, they are more willing to oblige to them of, okay, you, you want to play right field every day. Okay. We'll try to get you in right field as much as possible. But the, the DH has really been a great thing for the Rockies in that they have a guy named Connor Joe who can play first left and right. And he's also DH some as well. So they can kind of rotate their outfielders 
and their first baseman, CJ Crone, along with Connor Joe in the, in the DH spot. So like Chris Bryant, he's actually been, even though he's been primarily a third baseman in years past, he's a left fielder for the Rockies. And he had played left field before, but not, it wasn't his primary spot. But like, I even talked with him a few weeks ago and he said, it's nice to be able to just have one position and play it. Now he's struggled defensively too, but he's like, I've just being able to just work on one position and say, I know I'm going to be playing left field or in his case, he's DH'd a few times, but defensively mm-hmm. he's just been in left field. And that's the same thing with Charlie Blackman where he's like, okay, it's nice that I can just be in right field, but right. defensively it's like, eh, I, ideally he would be a full-time DH, but they they've been rotating them in and out. And in years past, like, especially before the Rockies were in the playoffs, Blackman mm-hmm. played left center and right, right where he he was able to do it but as with most people the consistency of oh i'm going to be here every night and in a way that's helped him but like i said he, part of it is on the back end of his career now where it's like yeah it's it's not ideal to have him in right field but yeah. i even he's out there probably five six days a week in right field and it's like uh, it'd be better if he was five or six days a week as a DH, DH. But, <laughs> but even uh, like you said with uh, struggling at the plate I mean do you want a DH that's hitting 217 well that's it the Mets had the same kind of problem with Robinson Cano and uh, he just wasn't hitting they owe him like a ton of money like uh, I don't know I think it's 40 70 million something like that because he still got is it well, it's a lot of money they yeah. had to pay him, and they just let him walk. They just released him because they just he was not performing, and he couldn't play second base. His range is down a lot, uh, and uh, so he was really hurting and keeping younger guys that were performing better out of the lineup. So uh, I, I'm glad they made the decision. It's a tough decision to make when you have that much money you've got to give up, but it it was for the betterment of the team, I think, overall, getting guys in that are performing or have the potential to perform better, and it makes the team better defensively uh, because he was killing them out on the field and as a DH, so at least he's out of the picture. But it's tough when you reach a certain, you, you know, you get near the end there, and some guys, you know, still perform and some guys it just goes quick and it's really a shame. Yeah. And that's the thing with the Rockies too, is like I said, they, they don't have a ton of depth. I mean, last year, their triple A team was uh, their, their triple A team. In fact, has been under 500 every year since 2014. So they don't have a lot of minor league depth there. Their double A team was 39 and 79. So you tell me if there's a lot there, there's not. So <laughs> If, if they had somebody that was like, a, they do have a few outfield top prospects, but they're in low A and high A. Right. So if, if they were in triple A, like knocking on the door, the Rockies might be more inclined to do something, but they, they really don't have anybody else. So he's in the final year of his, of his guaranteed contract this year. He has a player option for next year, but 
he, he's making 21 million this year. The player option is only for 10 million next year. So he, he really likes Denver. So he might actually exercise that option, but he's would be seeing his salary cut in more than half. So that's something that the Rockies like, and like I said, they, they're more willing to accommodate their veterans. If, if, if it was a 25 year old guy out there, they would probably say, okay, you can go down to triple a, but yeah. with a guy who's been on the team for a dozen years and he's 36, it's like, eh, okay, we'll give you a little bit more leeway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, uh, he may stay one. He may say, look, uh, I'm going to take this option. Let me play out next year. And that's, I'm going to hang it up after that. And so, but I want to go out as a Rocky and, you know, and with the DH, it does give him something, at least that they can put him in uh, if the defense is that, it, you know, continues to uh, slip. And uh, and at least if he can hit somewhat, at least you have an option now with the de- designated hitter. So, um, but we'll see. Uh, who is the hot player for the uh, Colorado Rockies right now? Um, I would say on offense, um, they, I would say overall, it would, and that's the thing, consistency. They, some, if you're, if you're on the road, you're talking about the Rockies, they, they, nobody's hot, but, um, (laughs) but, um, Connor Joe, he, he's been really their, and I mentioned him a few minutes ago, he's really been their best overall hitter. And, um, it he's not your prototypical leadoff guy in that he's he's not he's not a speed demon or anything like that but right. he walks a lot so he he has a 370 on base percentage so he he's been doing really well and in the past i would say probably 10 games or so he's he's getting on base a little bit higher than that probably close to 400 on his on base percentage so he's been pretty hot um and he's he's still hitting 280 300 in that span as well um brendan rogers though he if you look at the overall stats if you just if you completely disregard uh if you completely disregard april you're like okay oh, oh he's he's doing really well but in april he was he was one of the worst players in baseball now he's actually been one of the best and he's probably been the rockies best hitter uh, in the month of May, in the month of April, he, he played in 14 games. He had 58 plate appearances. He was hitting 078. So that tells you how bad he was hitting. And in the month of May, now he has got his average from 078 to 218 because in 12 games in May, he's hitting 360. So obviously that's, that's a lot more palatable than 078. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. So he's also had 14 RBI in those 12 games. So he he's really been their hottest hitter after he was their coldest hitter. Right. right. And uh, who is their best pitcher at this point? Uh, right now it's uh, Chad cool. Like I mentioned how he, he was, yeah. he was, he was supposed to be their fifth starter, but he, he started out really well. He, he had a clunker of a game in San Francisco, his last start. Um, but still, even with that clunker of a game, it was four and two thirds. He had five earned runs. Even with that, his ERA is still only 288 on the year. 
Um, he has the most wins for uh, on the team as well. He's three and one. Um, so yeah, he's been their best starter so far. Um, relievers, the relievers really haven't done well this year. Well, they started out well, but they've gone down since, but, um, one of their setup men, his name's Tyler Kinley. He's made 15 appearances. He has a sub one ERA. So he's mm. out of the bullpen. He's done really well for he's them been the so best. far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it should be an interesting series coming up. Uh, as we said, the Mets are out there for three, I th- believe. And uh, let's hope they get, you know, they get the games in and they're not in winter gear the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is funny because now we've turned the corner here in the Northeast. Uh, we're in short sleeves finally. And, uh, you know, it's going to be really weird seeing snow or cold weather again. Uh, but that's the way it goes out in Colorado. Yeah, like I was telling my co-editor, because he lives out in Colorado, I'm like, yeah, on Friday when you guys are getting snow, here in Ohio it's supposed to be 92 degrees. <laughs> it's like, it's, I, I don't get it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Noah, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Tell the folks where they can uh, – Read your stuff and listen to your podcast. The uh, website is called Roxpile, R-O-X-P-I-L-E.com. Uh, you can check us out on at, out on Twitter at RoxpileFS, FS for Fansider. That's our parent company. And then um, our podcast is called the Roxpile Rockies Report. We have that once a week, and we just talk about what happened essentially in the last week, look forward to the week ahead and then occasionally we'll have some interviews as well all right and again i want to thank you so much for coming on and it's always a pleasure to talk to you and uh hopefully we can do it again yep anytime thanks for having me okay and i'll be back right after this 516-619-6341 that is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash metsmusings. Syracuse is 13 and 23. They are in last place in their division, 10 and a half games back. The news doesn't get any better for Binghamton. They're 11 and 22, and they are 11 games 
back and in last place. Brooklyn has taken a nosedive. They've gone 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They are now 14-17, and 17, and they are 10.5 back in fourth place in their division. And St. Lucie is the best team in the Mets farm system right now. They are 24th and 10, five games up in first place over Jupiter in their division. So, uh, you know, the news doesn't sound good, but again, they are developing players. So you can't always go by what the scores or what the records are. Uh, you know, just be happy that uh, at least St. Lucie's doing good, and that means there's some good young players down there. And, uh, um, you know, uh, there's hope for the future. But there, let's take a look at some of the prospects. Mark Vientos has turned it around. He was the main story in AAA this week. He hit three home runs. In three straight games, the 22-year-old third baseman now has five homers, 15 RBIs. After a very slow start to the season, he is coming out of it and starting to hit. So that's good news. Nick Plummer had a nice week in Syracuse as well, going five for 13, three doubles, a home run, and six RBIs. Plummer... uh, uh, has five homers and 28 RBIs as well. Thomas Zabuki pitched nine innings across two starts, allowing just one earned run on six hits and three walks while striking out 10. Maybe Zabuki's coming around. And David Peterson made another strong start in Syracuse, allowing just three hits and two walks while striking out six over six scoreless innings. He may be called up to the majors soon after uh, you know, because of Tyler McGill's injury. Brett Batty is coming out of his little slump, as, well, maybe Francisco Alvarez. They both swung the bat well this past week and broke out of prolonged slumps. Batty went 9 for 25 with a pair of home runs and four doubles, while Alvarez was 8 for 23 with two doubles. Batty, Batty leads the Rumble Ponies with a 284 average. Uh, through 116 at-bats. Meanwhile, Alvarez still hasn't hit a home run since April 17th after hitting four in his first six games at double-A. But let's get him out of the slump first. The uh, rest will take care of itself. The power will come. He's a big, strong kid. Uh, you know, let's just get him hitting, and uh, that'll, that'll be quite enough for now and Shervon Newton struggled in his first few games at high a uh he got moved up to the Cyclones and he's go he went two for 14 with a double and seven strikeouts uh he's still very young he's going against guys that may be a year or so older than him I'm sure he will rate the ship there's a lot of talent there if you watch him, and uh, we'll see how he does. And, you know, maybe he'll struggle at this level, and then next year he'll be more prepared for it. So it'll, it'll all work itself out uh, if it's meant to. So uh, that is the farm report for this week. Some good news, uh, some bad news, but, you know, overall good. 
good to see Batty and Alvarez getting out of their slump. And uh, thank, I want to thank Mets, Metsmerize for some of these stats here that uh, we have. So uh, thank you to them. Okay, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. I want to thank my guest, Noah Yingling, once again of The Rock Pile. Go check it out. R-O-X-P-I-L-E. Rock's Pile is a Colorado blog and podcast he does. You can get it right on the same site. Much like you can this show, uh, you can get the audio and video at MetsMusings.com. And uh, we are so happy that you joined us. I want to thank you for listening and or watching. Don't forget to subscribe. If uh, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button as well. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, CastBox, wherever you listen or wherever you may watch the podcast, please hit the subscribe button. That helps us grow the community and expand to new listeners. So, until next time, remember, they may be struggling a little bit, but things are going to get better. Guys are going to get healthy, and we have to keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. And I'll see you next time on another edition of Mets Musings. <laughs>